Sense 101 is a podcast dedicated to helping you have a meaningful relationship with your horse and for them to be a willing partner in all your adventures. The podcast is available every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. You can also find the podcast link, calendar, and news about our upcoming events on our webpage, www.horse-sense.com. 101.com and sign up for our newsletter there as well. And if you have a moment and are so inclined, please leave a review on Podchaser. It's free and I would really appreciate it. Hey everyone, as most of you are probably aware, there was a horrific wildfire last week near Boulder, Colorado. Thousands of homes destroyed and livestock displaced and missing. We can all imagine what this feels like, so let's get behind them and support them any way we can. We have links available on the Horse Sense 101 group page, on Facebook, and phone numbers. Please contact the American Red Cross in Colorado for any financial support you wish to give. A message phone number to reach out will be to Matthew Nelson at 303-219-0429. And let them know you're a member of Horse Sense 101 so he knows how you got the number. Sending our prayers and love to all of our horse friends affected by this tragedy. What follows is an interview that I did Friday with a local resident on the ground in Boulder, Mr. Matthew Nelson. Uh, you're on the ground in Colorado with the wildfire, is that correct? Correct. So we're currently on Table Mesa Drive in Boulder, um, which is near the evacuation zones and the active fire zones. Okay. Give... For, for those that don't get to watch the news, give us a, a bit of an idea, rundown on what's going on in, in Boulder. So, Joe, yesterday there was a lot of wind. Um, the National Weather Service reported on our foothills area that there were wind gusts that exceeded 105 miles an hour. Um, this, uh, we had the same event happen last week. A bunch of power poles blew over. Um, this week when the power poles blew over, some of the transformers, um, from what the news is reporting, um, created wildfires, three separate wildfires. Um, one of them was attacked by the fire department and put out fairly quick. Uh, another one is still actively burning, not too bad. The big one, the Marshall fire in Louisville, um, has burned, I believe they said, over 6,500 acres so far. This is not um, mountainous area. This is um, front range, foothills, prairie um, area. This is a highly populated um, densely populated area. Um, as of the reports this morning, overnight, and yesterday, there are well over a thousand homes that have burned down, displacing people, um, damaging property, animals. Um, so far, there's not uh, any record of any fatalities, which is good. 
Um, I fear that that may come, but I pray that it won't. Um, there are tons of animals that had to be released um, from various, you know, animal hotels. There was over 40 dogs that were released from the dog tag hotel um, from people that are out of state that, you know, boarded their, their animals, stuff like that. A lot of farms had to let go of livestock, horses, um, sheep, cattle, chickens, the whole nine yards. By, by let go, you mean turn, open, open the gates and let them run? Absolutely. Yeah. There, they were, yeah, there was families that had, you know, eight or more horses and were able to take three or four in a slant load and then had to release the rest to fend for themselves. There is currently a huge following of people on various Facebook groups that are trying to coordinate search efforts. They're trying to go to houses that may or may not have been burned down to try to rescue animals or get to animals that people who are out of state or out of country are posting that they, um, you know, they want their animals checked on or saved if possible. Um, where I come into this, uh, I last night started to coordinate with other Facebook groups um, and create Google Forms in order to kind of condense the information. There was tons of people commenting, hey, I'm available for this, I'm available for that. But looking into these threads and tracking comments is, is really hard to do. It's, it's not a fast process whatsoever. It's not coordinated, it's not clean. So what I did was create Google Form links um, that I've been posting out on the Facebook pages for people to go to this Google Form. They fill out their information. They tell me their name, their contact information, and what they can provide. Can they provide transportation? Can they provide housing? Can they provide care? Can they provide donations? Um, and such. We also created a group um, specifically for donations to persons that have been displaced by this fire. Um, there are groups that I have been working with that are collecting donations for the animals and such. Um, but my specific group is, is focused towards the persons because we're, we're pretty taken care of on the aspect of animals. So are, the, are these fires still burning out of control or are they out and contained? You know, actually I'm sitting in Boulder right now and it is snowing. So this is a godsend. This is exactly what we needed. The humidity rise is going to help contain these fires. That fire is actively still burning. Um, it is not burning as tremendously as it was yesterday, as devastatingly as it was yesterday. Um, there are still homes on fire. There are still neighborhoods on fire. Um, you know, the fire department was out all night last night um, fighting, combating structure fires. There is a part of Old Town, Louisville and Old Town Superior where an entire subdivision, over 300 homes was burnt down. Every home in the subdivision. And wow. so there are still rubble piles that are burning. If you go up on top of the hill, you know, there's a hill that kind of overlooks the town. If you go up on top of the hill, you just see little, you know, stacks of, of smoke coming out of various areas of neighborhoods, which, you know, are, are house fires that are still burning. So what, what can, what can our friends on Facebook, what, what specifically can we do to help if just, just so we can get the information out there? I know you're going to, you sent my wife uh, a list of, of groups and locations and contact information um, for somebody that might be listening in their car um, uh, and, and able to, to replay this. Uh, tell us what, what those of us around the country can do to help. Yeah. So the American Red Cross of Colorado and Wyoming is accepting monetary donations. Um, if people want to 
um, give money. I would suggest that we keep monetary donations to reputable outfits and organizations such as the American Red Cross. Um, we can avoid supplying money to GoFundMe pages and such. The American Red Cross is out here. They're working on housing people. They're working on feeding people, clothing people, um, the whole nine yards. It's a great organization. We're all familiar with it. Um, so I, monetary donations, I would, I would personally forward those to the American Red Cross of Colorado and Wyoming. And then as far as like physical donations, if they're in neighboring states or around and they want to donate feed or hay or, um, you know, cat food or bottled water, bottled Gatorade, snacks, blankets, um, anything like that, um, I am coordinating in my Facebook group to um, tell people where these donations are be accepted. On your Facebook page, you've um, kindly uh, posted a, a tag and tagged me in a post about it, I will comment on that, the links. Um, we will, I'll, we'll put a link for a Google form. If people are local and they want to help house animals, um, caretake animals, um, pass out hay, you know, we need a lot of people to deliver the hay from the central locations that is being donated, stuff like that. They can fill out that Google form and put their contact information there. We will reach out to them as needs arise with what they have specified they can help with. Um, that's gonna help us to streamline things. Um, if they want to help search, there will be, there are Facebook pages that are, I will tag in there as well to coordinate search parties. Right now, those are not being authorized by the Boulder County Office of Emergency Management. All the roads are still closed. All access to the fire area is still closed. It is still dangerous. And, and they advise that we don't send any volunteers in at this time. Um, Pre-evacuation areas and, and under evacuation areas are able to, people are able to rescue animals from those areas and start housing them in case this fire continues to move in areas. That's our best bet now. Again, fill out the Google form with what you can do to help and we will contact as need arise. We will look for somebody that can help in that specific area or that specific thing and we will be reaching out to them. Asking what he does for a living. So what, what do you do for a living, Matt? How, how did you get involved in this? So I actually work for the state of Colorado, but my family is, um, and I'm not doing this in a capacity as an employee of the state of Colorado. I am just a passionate Coloradan. Uh, my family is in the fire service and has been my entire life. My father actually spent the entire night out, um, a really hard day yesterday and a really hard night last night, fighting fire all night. Um, and I, you know, I, I feel useless sitting at home. So I'm trying to do my part and spread information, coordinate information and do anything I can to help these families that are posting, you know, from out of the country that they're worried about their animals at home and, and stuff like that. It's really uh, it's a difficult situation to sit back and watch. So I'm hey, doing Matt, what I can to help. Matt, just realize that knowledge is power. Absolutely. And that's what you're giving yeah, these we... people. You are giving them power yes. to and take care of themselves and do what they need to do with the help that you are giving them. So yeah, I can only on empathize. I can only empathize with the, the feelings of, of being, you know, across the country or, or in a different country and watching the news or being notified from your neighbors that are your neighborhoods on fire and, and worrying about your animals. You know, I love my animals very much and I would, I would feel so helpless. And I think that's what a lot of people are realizing is that, they can help these people feel, uh, you know, a little bit better about the situation. And so I want to help get that information through. I want to help coordinate information systems and, you know, um, streamline this. So we're not 
running around with good intentions, but not making a good dent. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we're going to share this with, with the members of our group and, and I know that they will do everything they can and, and they will share this with everyone they know. I, I know we will, we will spread this, uh, this information like a wildfire up here in the Northwest. No and, uh, and I really appreciate your time, Matt, and God bless you for the work you're doing. Absolutely. You too, Joe. Thanks for helping spread the message. I know I can count on the listeners of this podcast to do everything possible to assist our friends in Colorado. Again, check our Horse Sense 101 group page on Facebook for contact information. Next, we have the privilege of speaking with Mr. Mark Burnett, extreme Mustang makeover competitor, professional trainer, and owner of Big Smiles Riding Club. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Burnett. Um, yeah, thanks you for would, having me. Please, let's, let's, you bet. Hey, hey, give us, give us some, some background on, on you and your, your youth and your family life, if you would, for us, please. Let, that, that way we can kind of get to know you. Yeah, okay. Um, so I was, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, I, I've been horse crazy my, my whole life. Um, raised with just a, a small cattle operation, but dad always saw to it that Mark had a horse to ride. Um, my brothers had some horses too, as we was growing up, but as, as time would have it, you know, as, as soon as they noticed girls, they were done with the horses. Um, and I, I mean, I noticed girls, but I never lost my love for horses. Uh, you know, I, I ran barrels and poles and flags back in elementary and junior high school. And in high school, I started rodeoing um i i'd like to say i rode bronx and bulls but that would be lying i i fell off of a lot of bronx and bulls um and i steer wrestled did make nationals and steer wrestling uh and then went on to the air force um married the woman of my dreams she's still with me um 32 years now. It's been great. Um, while I was in the Air Force, I I, uh, I took some vacation time and went to horseshoeing school. And after I got out of the Air Force, I, I went to work in town at a factory and, and was shoeing horses part-time. Um, we ran a breeding operation for about 10 years, had a stallion and some mares. And I, you know, then... Um, when I, uh, when I lost my job to NAFTA, um, I just started, uh, you know, training horses for the public. And for several years, I just did cult starting. I didn't really know what to do after 60 days, you know. Um, most, of my, most of my customers were 30-day customers. And, uh, you know, so I did a lot of cult starting. And then when I got in the Extreme Mustang makeover, that was the first time I'd put more than 60 days on a horse. Um, and then, uh, you know, I started learning more and more about finish work on, on horses. Um, so I owe a lot. I owe a lot of my training to the Mustangs. Well, th that's, that's awesome. And, and by the way, thank you very much for your service to our country, sir. Oh, um, you, you told me that uh, 
you narrowly escaped deployment to uh, Desert Storm. Right. Um, yeah. But we but were... you but you did serve out of the country. Yeah, I I uh, I did get deployed to Panama during the little conflict we had with Panama, um, and then we had our bags packed and was on call to deploy to Desert Storm, but we we were not called on. So yeah. So after after you decided that uh, that working in town wasn't wasn't gonna really fit the bill, and so you sort you sort of transition to to at least to a little degree take take control of your of your destiny and and started started being semi self-employed with you know we work for customers right right yeah yeah it's hard to it's hard to, for anybody to say they're self-employed because you're always working for somebody you know this is like it, it with with my big smiles riding club i uh I'm not self-employed. I mean, I guess I'm self-employed, but I work for my my students. So yeah, that's that's right. I I uh, started training for the public. Um, yeah, a lot well, of cult starting, and then tell tell us about your your experience with the uh, the extreme Mustang makeover. How did you get involved with that, and and what was that what was that experience like? So they started the Extreme Mustang Makeover just about the same time that I was starting training full-time. So I thought that picking that up would be a good way to promote myself. And it, it, it was, it was a good way for me to get my name out there. But ultimately, more so than promoting myself, it training a Mustang will teach you a lot about horsemanship. So you know, a whole lot of, of what I know I owe to the Mustang for teaching me, you know, now did, I remember, did I remember you have that, friends in the, in the program that, that you guys bounced ideas uh, off of each other or, or did you just have to trial and error it? Um, no, I trial and error, um, you know, watched videos, uh, on, on other cult starting you know, um, and, and was always, I've always been thirsty for knowledge on, on horsemanship. And I still am. And I feel like when I'm done learning, I'm done improving. Right. So I'm not, I'm not done improving. I, I still try to educate myself all the time. Um, but no, I didn't, really have, I didn't really have any friends to, to bounce ideas off of, you know, um, as, as far as with the Mustangs go, but um, because of the Mustang training, I met a slew of people that I still talk to all the time and they'll bounce ideas off me and I bounce ideas off of them, you know, um, and, and, you know, I, just great friendships I developed from the Mustang competition, you know, the, the first people I met at a at an extreme Mustang makeover, met some good trainers and, and, you know, really. So being a, being a horseman, I think, at least in my opinion, really revolves around being a, a, a good student and a good teacher. Um, talk to us a little bit about, about your teaching philosophy, um, both with horses and with people. Okay. So, 
you know, the number one thing I say is there's more than one way to be right. So, you know, there's there's people that do things differently than I do, and that doesn't mean they're wrong. But also because I'm doing things differently than they do, it doesn't mean I'm wrong either. If you get the results you're looking for, then you're correct. Would you buy that? I, I would 100% agree with that. Okay. <clears throat> Texas Vic Bender says that there's there's more ways to skin a cat rather than just stepping on his head and pulling his tail. Right. And then I, then I take that one step further. It's not important how we skinned the cat. It's important that we don't get a hair in our mouth when we eat it with teriyaki sauce. Correct. Correct. So we're all, it's all about the end result. And the hate mail will fall, will roll in from here. Okay. <laughs> you can edit that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to edit that out. I'll, 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 I'll live with that one. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, uh, I, I don't get too caught up in, um, in saying natural horsemanship because the reason for that. I feel like a lot of people have used that terminology so much, and then maybe they're not even doing things that resemble natural horsemanship. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm a student of natural horsemanship, but I like to communicate with the horse in a way that I feel falls naturally. But then I do some things that I don't feel are natural. I load a horse in a horse trailer. I put a bit in its mouth. I throw a dead animal on it. When I say a dead animal, I'm talking about a saddle. I mean, that's made of leather, right? So we do some things that aren't natural, but I feel like natural horsemanship really comes down to pre-cue, like a body language, and then a cue, you know, much similar to the way that a a horse will give, you know, the lead mare will give a look at a horse before she, you know, she's like, get out of my way. And then when they don't get out of their way, she'll bite them or kick them. So, but she gives that pre-cue and then they, they kind of learn that pre-cue, you know, they get out of her way on the look. So I feel like that's kind of natural horsemanship. You know, we give a pre-cue before a cue. And there's going to be people who are all into natural horsemanship that'll go, no, you don't get it at all. So, you know, there's that. I'm not saying uh, there again, I'm saying there's more than one way to be right. So, you know, that's kind of my philosophy on it. Um, and, and natural horsemanship also has to do with, or my opinion on natural horsemanship. Okay. So before I go any further, I want to say that all of these things are in my opinion and I, I definitely respect other people's views. Um, but at the same time, I feel like my views should be respected too um, because I've seen them work, you know? Um, so, you know, when we think about natural horsemanship, you know, every, any species of animal in the animal, in the horses world, except humans, you know, we're the only species in their world that shows our teeth when we're happy. Yeah, well, that's absolutely 100%. So when we, when we take a wild horse, now our domestic horses that are backyard pets, they get desensitized to it or, or, or dulled down to it, where 
they, uh, um, you know, they accept the smile and the high-pitched tone. Oh, you're a good boy. That's awesome. You know, that can be a release of pressure to them. But when you step into the uh, pen with a wild Mustang and you look at it and smile because it did something right, that's not a release of pressure to that Mustang. <laughs> it feels pressure, right? So, right. People wonder, well, why did that Mustang jump out of the pen? Well, because you were <laughs> smiling at it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, you don't, you don't, don't see the world through their eyes. And and when I I use that that term a lot, you see the world through their eyes. And that doesn't mean that we have the same kind of vision that they have. But you know, as, as humans, we don't walk out the front door thinking that that somebody's going to eat us. Right. And especially the wild horse. That's the number one thing they're aware of when they when they get up in the morning and and go out to graze is that they taste good. That never goes away for them. Right. And and it's it's funny you say that. So at the first extreme Mustang makeover that I competed in, um, you're uh, a friend of mine and I'm sure he's a friend of yours, too. uh, Ken McNabb was at that at that show. And. You know, they handed me the mic when we was doing our, the, they were uh, auctioning off the Mustangs at the end of the competition. And they hand me the mic and asked me to say a few things about it. They didn't get my bio that said that I had been a rodeo clown, right? So they, it was their mistake to hand me the mic. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm a large guy and, and uh, they hand me the mic and I, I said, when when I first stepped into the round pen with this Mustang, um, she took one look at me and said, holy smokes, I know he's going to eat me. He eats everything that slows down in front of him. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, she she came around and, and made an, an exceptional horse. Um, it, it's really fun to watch that transformation and, and you know, well, I've I've heard it said of of mules and mustangs that you uh, you absolutely have to train them the way, and it's not not optional. You have to train them the way you should train a horse. Yeah, that's that's accurate. And I, I'm no mule skinner, but I did um, win the wild ass challenge. <laughs> that sounds yeah. great. Yeah, that's what it was called, the Wild Ass Challenge. We had a lot of fun with that. Um, I, so the, the, that was set up like Road to the Horse. We had round pins, um, eight little, eight burrows off the range. And the, uh, you know, we had uh, like it was a three-day weekend, you know, is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the one judge in our round pin work was uh, John Lyon's family. So, um, his, his wife and his son and his, um, stepson were all judging our, uh, horsemanship there in the round pen. And then for our finals performance, we was judged by Julie Goodnight and, uh, Dan James. And there was another fella and I wish I could knew his name, but I, I don't. Um, but that was, that was a, a fun a fun um weekend and yeah we won that and i had a, my little burrow 
you know, walking. They, they had to see them. They wouldn't see them um, walk, trot, right turn, left turn, back up, and anything else you could add into that was a bonus, right? Um, I have mine jumping barrels and and things of that nature, and and it was a really good little burrow. It it went really well, um, and I did. You know, we we played on the the word game of it being called the wild ass challenge. So we had about 60 seconds with a mic when we went in there again, that was their mistake to give me a mic. But I said, when I started this burrow, he had no education at all. You know, um, all he knew was survival skills. And so I took some time and, and gave him an education this weekend. I said, so basically what I'm saying is on Friday, he was a dumbass, and today he's a smart ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a real good competition. It was a lot of fun. And and even though I'd never worked with a burrow, it was all this the same um the same philosophy. So it was pressure and release of pressure. And how big of a release of pressure do you give? So, you know, if I just asked that burrow to, to go to my right, I would put some pressure on him to go to my right. And I didn't chase him all around the round pen. I just asked him to go to my right. As soon as he would go to my right, I turned my back and walked completely away from him. That was the biggest release of pressure I could give him. Sure. So then he would learn to go to my right. So once I learned, he taught, learned to go to my right, then I taught him to go to my left. <clears throat> I worked that until I could... Um, get up to him and, and get a halter and lead rope on him, you know. And then, of course, so in the be very beginning, my release of pressure was to, to turn and walk away from him. But in the end, by the end, my release of pressure was going up and giving him a hug around the neck. You know, he loved it. He, he got to where sure. he, he took that as a reward, you know. He understood. Yeah. yeah, I know it was, uh, a, it was a really cool. I know Wade Black, Wade Black points puts it that there's there's really two thoughts in training. In his opinion, there's a a traditional method, um, and, and that that method relies primarily on force, meaning you know you you force the body, um, and then a non traditional method because Wade's like you, he doesn't really call it natural horsemanship. Um, you know, his grandfather is Ray Hunt. So, you know, and, and he doesn't call it natural horsemanship. He just calls it, this is what granddad did. And, and he talks about it being influ influencing the will and the emotions and the soul of the horse um, with, with body flight and position and, and release. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a big fan of quote natural horsemanship because I, I struggle with knowing what that means. Um, but I do think that good horsemanship, you know, can take many forms. Uh, and I, I, I like how you put that, that, that there's, there's more than one way to be right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you how I came up with that term. When I first went to shoeing school, our shoeing instructor taught us to, to knife out the sole a little bit and then take that first nip at the toe and then work our way towards one heel, then work our way towards the other heel. And I went to 
Um, if you ever want to be proven wrong, just go sit with a bunch of farriers. They'll, <laughs> they'll love to tell you how wrong you are, right? So I went shoeing with my um, with my cousin, who was a, a phenomenal farrier. And, you know, uh, I'm still a novice. I mean, I've been to shoeing school and I've shot a few horses. But, you know, when you leave a shoeing school like that, you're just an apprentice. You don't you don't know a whole lot. You know the basics. You kind of know how to use the tools. Yeah. Yeah. But then, um, you know, I showed him how I nipped the foot. And he's like, no, you start at one heel and go all the way around the other. I said, our 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 shooting instructor done it that way but he said it was easier to teach this way well i don't know what to think of a guy that does it one way but teaches it another you know and just going on and on and i'm like you know just because i do it this way if i still get a a balanced horse that's properly shod then it's right you know there's more than yeah. one way to be right well i know it was i my my dad shod horses for 70 years and and well, not 70, probably 65 anyway, since he started shooting went shooting school horses when he was in in high school and, and he's in his late 70s now. And he, he doesn't shoe anymore. But, you know, I, I, I was raised that, that that's you started at the heel and, you know, went just went around the foot. And then I, I've got a, a good friend of mine who is in the business, same business I am. He's actually my neighbor and he went to shoe and school. Um, I've never been to shoe and school. Um, and he said, but here, watch this. And, and he nipped the, nipped the toe first. And, and uh, you know, he, he said, this is why you do it this way. And I started doing that way. And, and lo and behold, for me, it helped me to get the toe length correct. Um, but that was just me. And, and I, like I said, I, I watched guys do it both ways. And, and I think it's, it's cool that you point out that there's more than one way to be right, because I've seen some phenomenal farriers do it both ways. Right. But then you get all those farriers together and they're going to tell you why the other one's wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. They crack me up. I love listening to farriers. And, and, you know, trainers are going to do that too. But what develops is, you know, you kind of just develop what works for you. You know, the same is true for, for training horses. So you can, you can study under, under some different disciplines and pick up on some things and learn some ways. But after a while, you're going to kind of make it your own. You're going to kind of just develop, if you do enough of it, you're going to make it your own and, and you're going to do little tweaks and things. This, one of the things I struggled with as a, as a trainer um, for, for several years, I struggled with how to slow a horse down, how to get them to lope slow, you know, just nice and relaxed. And then even though they were, some of them were relaxed, would be loping out fast. And I studied on it and studied on it and, and tried to find answers. And then it just came, it, I just started doing this one thing on my own, the way I would do all of my other exercises. I just kind of tweaked them and put them together. And my horses started loping slower. 
and more collected and really bringing their hind end underneath them. And I, I never learned that from somebody else. That's something that just fell into my lap through being out there training it. So, See, this yeah. is what I, I tell people that, that techniques are nice and you might find a technique that works, but I, I, I honestly believe that the basis or the foundation for all of this has to be the, your principles have to be correct. And if you have the correct principles, you can, if you know the why, then I think you can figure out the how, um, you know, if you don't know the why, and then you try you start doing trial and error, then you can do some really crazy things that are not going to work. But if you understand, in my opinion, if you understand the why and, and the principles and, and, and then think about how you want to go about it and put your method in line with your principles, uh, I, I think that's where you get, you know, a thousand different people with horses that all perform well. And they'll all use a little different technique, but I, I think that their principles are all pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So having, having said that, <clears throat> if you were to, if you were to talk about, you know, your basic philosophy and your principle that guides your training methodology, um, what would you, what would you say kind of guides your process yeah um that would be uh that's a loaded question it would depend <laughs> no it, it would it would depend on are we are we looking at cult starting cult or cult finishing you know i mean i guess it's it's kind of all the same you know i mean it's it's first of all horse just learn from a release of pressure. Okay, so, there's a principle. Right, right. The release of pressure. Um, you know, when I lunge a horse, I like to get it started and then drop my my lead rope hand and my 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 lunge stick hand. You know, I hold them both down because I, I gave that horse a job. And if I tell it if I want it to change jobs, I'll let it know keep doing that until I tell you do something else. Now, there's other people that hold a stick up and, and keep that pressure on them the whole time to keep them moving around. I'm not saying that's wrong. There's more than one way to be right. That works for them. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, know a, uh, I know a guy that does it completely different. He shows, is it okay to name drop? Yeah, absolutely. So Dan James has a different way of doing it. You know, he holds the stick out and kind of always keeps the stick after him. And, and that's okay. That's that's not wrong either. You know, well, he does. Watch... He does amazing things with his horses at Liberty. You know, anybody he that's does. watched Mr. James perform and has watched his horses work at Liberty, you're going to be hard pressed to tell me that he's forcing those horses to do that. Right. No. And it's you're, you're exactly right. And Dan James is a phenomenal horseman. Uh, it, uh, it falls into there's more than one way to be right okay um so that being said like when i when i tell my horse to trot under saddle yes. i want to put him in the trot and then quit riding him and expect him to hold that trot 
okay? Because I feel like anytime they're doing something on their own motor, it's prettier than when we're forcing it. I see other people keep a spur on them the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I'm not saying they're wrong. I like to give them a job and tell them to do it until I tell them something else to do. So your technique is in line with your principle. Yeah. Yeah. And And I love that. And and I I know I, you can't do, you can't do dressage without contact. You know, when, when the people do dressage and, and jumping, they, they have to be in that horse's, you know, they're not pulling on them, but they have to have contact to keep the horse in frame to do those maneuvers, cutting and reining. You don't get to pull on them. Right. Different, right. different event, different, different techniques. So, and, but, but there's principles dress- that guide those, right? There is, there is. And, but with dressage, you know, a, a lot of them, it, they have contact, like there's a straight ring, there's no drape, but the really good ones, I feel, are just barely having contact. You Linda know? Pirelli talks about it as though you're not pulling, you're just holding hands. There you go. Which I th- there you go. thought was a really brilliant way of putting it. Yeah. But, you know, the a lot of beginners in, in English, they're balancing themselves on the reins. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so like even my my finished spin, my finished turnaround on a horse, I just get him started and then pitch him away. Mm-hmm. Like I drop the rein down on the neck and I don't have a foot on him. And, and but I can't talk while I'm doing it because he's listening for me to say anything because that's his cue to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, but he better stay in there and keep spinning until I say, well, and just as soon as I, I say the, uh, say the W word, then he comes to a stop. Well, you know, but he better stay in there and spin. And, and, you know, the same way with, with lead changes, I like for him to change leads off of the pre-cue instead of the cue because it's prettier. You know, if you have to force that hip over to make the lead change, then it's not as pretty as you just give them a slight cue to move their shoulder over. As soon as you pull their foot off, they change on their own motor. That's prettier than kicking that hip over and in the beginning you have to kick the hip over but you give them a pre-cue first does that make sense it it does and and i've i've struggled with it it was funny i i got to ride with annie reynolds a month ago or so and i was i was and it was one of her horses that she let me ride that we could turn around and it was exactly as you said you you move your hand you know, across the neck to get the, the spin started and click and the gas pedal was put to full and and it was leave your feet out, leave your hand down. Um, when you're done, say, whoa. Um, and the same with with her lead changes is not, it's not a, a, she doesn't force her horses to change a lead. She takes her foot away and opens the door and they change their lead. Right. And, that's and it is pretty. Oh my gosh, her horses change leads. And yep. turn around and stop so pretty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and you know, 
the main rule is there's exceptions to every rule. So like on my side pass, I do keep pressure on, you know, I don't just get them side passing and stop and they keep side passing. I keep pressure on for a side pass. And then when I pull the pressure off, they stop. Um, so, you know, for different maneuvers, I guess things change, but for like the real pretty maneuvers, like your spins and your lead changes and your circles, you know, um, you know, I'll put my horses on a circle and, you know, we're loping circles and I drop the rein. I, I have a loose rein and expect them to hold the circle that I put them on, you know, so it's, it's a concept. And it doesn't mean that the people that's holding them on the circles or keep a foot on them when they're spinning, it doesn't mean that they're wrong. It's just that I like the results I get by doing it the way I've, I've come to do it. Outstanding. Let's talk about uh, uh, Big Smiles Writing Club a bit. Um, how did it come about? Uh, tell us about what it is and, uh, and how it came about. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, so... Um, we call it Big Smiles Writing Club, and our motto is it's all about the smile. So let me tell you how I came up with the name first, okay, and, and our motto. So I like action horses. You know, I like the spins, the lead changes, the, the stops, you know, things like that. Um, the getting after a cow. I love a horse that will just go get after a cow. Love that. My wife, on the other hand, she enjoys and and she's doing lead changes now and loving it, you know, and she's got a little ranch versatility mare and she's having a ball. But for a long time, you know, she didn't want to do drills. She didn't want to do these exercises, but she loved doing trick training. So she's got them sitting on beanbags, standing on pedestals, side passing to her. She's got a Mustang that'll fetch, play a guitar, paint, you know, all these, all these different things that she'll, she'll give it a cue and it'll hold its mouth wide open, you know, um, and she does all these things. And she asked me one day, she goes, do I embarrass you because I do these, these off the wall tricks, think outside the box. And I said, no, it's all about <laughs> the smile. I said, it's all about the smile. You know, that horse makes you smile. So for me, that horse has a purpose here on this farm. It makes you smile. It makes you happy. So then fast forward, when I started working with people and decided to start this program, that's how I came up with the name Big Smiles Riding Club. And it's all about the smile because our horses should make us smile. We put so much of our life into them. And it shouldn't be frustrating. It should be enjoyable and make us smile. So that's how I, I came up with, with that, uh, that program. So what our program does, um, I, 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 I give people homework assignments. I've got a, a video library with groundwork, cult starting up to finished maneuvers like your flying lead changes, spins, collection, side passing, two tracking, you know, things of that nature. Um, and and uh, what I do is, I, I, so I've also got a private Facebook group and all my students are in this private Facebook group and I've got them at all different, all, all different um, 
I don't want to say disciplines, but they all have different goals. I have people showing in Western dressage, people showing ranch versatility. I've got endurance riders, mounted archers, um, and people starting colts and, and, and mustangs and uh, things of that nature. And they just want to improve their own horsemanship skills. And, you know, they want to learn to side pass. They want to learn flying lead changes and such. So uh, what I do is I give them homework assignments based on where they're at. So I look at, at, at where they're at with their horsemanship skills and I look at where they want to be and I build them a roadmap to get there. So each individual, it's a personalized program just for them. It's custom. So how do you, how do you get to see, um, I mean, do they come to your, come to your barn? How do you, how do you do your, do the interaction? No, I have them video themselves. So I'm in Indiana, but I've got students in Connecticut. I've got students in California and Texas and, you know, everywhere in between. So I have them video themselves doing the homework assignments that I give them. And then I pick it apart. I tell them the good, the bad, the ugly. And I, I try to pay attention to the smallest details. Um, and then I'm very, very elementary with my, uh, with my feedback. Uh, you know, I've, I've got it. I've got a background in coaching youth league sports. So, you know, small details coaching, you know, first and second graders in wrestling and football, you, you've got to make little adjustments, right? Little, little details helps the, helps the kid learn. So little details in horsemanship also helps. So, I have them video themselves doing the homework assignments I give them. And I, you know, steps one, two, and three have to be good before we move on to steps four, five, and six. Um, so then they, they, they send me videos of them doing my homework assignments. And, you know, like I said, I pick it apart. I tell them the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I won't lie to them and tell them that it's, it's good when it's not good. And then we also do a live stream video every week. And in, in the live stream videos, I'll go over things that they might be struggling with. And that's a good time for them to chime in and ask me a question. You know, Mark, I see what you're doing with your right foot. What are you doing with your left foot? And when they ask me something like that, I might actually have to do it again and pay attention to what I am doing with my left foot, you know, because sometimes automatic to us, the, the, those of us that ride as many horses as we've ridden some things we we don't really give a concentration to until they ask us that so we do it again and then we like okay i'm glad you asked um so this is what i'm doing with my left foot and that's because yeah, some, sometimes is the answer well I, I i didn't even know i was doing that so i guess we yeah. better revisit that right yeah yeah so you right. you probably get get as much as you give them in this in this scenario yeah it's you know um you know i said before i'm i'm always trying to improve myself right um, i'm always trying to learn more more horsemanship skills well now i'm i'm also focused on my teaching skills you know um i love the live stream videos um and I'm pretty comfortable under camera talking, you know, behind the camera, or I guess I'm in front of the camera. My wife's in front of it. I, 
No, my wife's behind it. She's the one recording for you. She's the one recording, and you're you're the you're on the you're on the stage again, uh, entertaining the crowd. That's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, I've gotten really comfortable with that, and I feel like I explain myself pretty well. And the feedback I get from my students tell me that, uh, you know, I'm I explain myself really well, and I get I don't just tell them do this. I give them the why, you know, why do you want to, you know, why do this? Why do that? You know, so, uh, you know, I've gotten pretty good at, at giving the instruction and, and the feedback I'm getting from my students is really good. So and the you... progress that I'm seeing my students make is, is so rewarding. You know, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. So would, would you agree that that what you provide to people is a transformation in their in their relationship with their horse? You 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 help you know someone who's maybe just starting out, you can you can help that person transform their relationship and someone who's ridden their whole life that just may want to have some refinement, you can also you can also help them uh, do that you can help them with that transformation and, and you don't have to be the greatest trainer in the world to accomplish that you just right. have to be willing to teach yeah right um you know i had a student in um i want to say oregon and and you know when she joined the club she was uh you know, she was already showing ranch versatility and, you know, she went to a show and she struggled with her leads, but her horse loped around really nice. Um, pretty good at, at trail and, 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 you know, I gave her a couple of homework assignments and she went and nailed all of her leads at the next show. And, you know, she, um, she actually wrote a review on my, uh, big smiles riding club ad and you know she's got all these ribbons on her horse she took first in like every every class she was in and all she really did was fix that lead and fix uh you know the uh the lope a little bit because my exercise for picking up leads actually improves their lope um but she, you know she just just threw this um through the exercises that I gave her she was able to to finish that up and then I see other people that you know I've, I had a student that you know they couldn't lead their horse down the driveway he would he would bulk going down the driveway and he's like what are you gonna do about it and I and I asked her I said well what do you do about it well I just keep pulling on him <laughs> Well, he's stronger than you. He's going to wear you out. So, you know, I was like, if he if he balks and doesn't want to walk up the driveway, then back him up because backing is hard work. So I, I kind of make the concept for the horse that it's, you know, when we have issues like that, we just make it harder for him. We make it so that, that being right is easier. 
Yeah, that's what Tom Dorrance said was make the right thing easy. Or not Tom Dorrance, he didn't say that. Ray Hunt said that. Make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. Right. So, you know, yeah, I see transformations like that a lot, you know. Um, you know, I, I've just, I've got students really making some good progress and it's so enjoyable to watch. Do you find at times that students will come to you and that, you know, they want to fix the problem with the leads, but, you know, just for an example, they want to, their, their horse doesn't change leads, but you don't fix the lead changes by changing leads. There's some foundational thing that's missing there and you yeah. have to back up and change that. Um, is, is that pretty well received with your students? Yeah, and sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they know that, you know, these exercises is, is what's going to fix it. So, you know, to fix, to fix leads, you've got to have, you've got to be able to push the shoulders to the left and the hips to the right, you know, um, and, and you want them to do that without speeding up, you know, you got to be, and vice versa, you got to be able to push the shoulders to the right and the hips to the left. You know, like I like to clear the shoulder before I, I push the hip over and ask for the lead change. Um, so yeah, my students grasp that. I mean, when they come to me, they know that there's holes and they're they're trying to fix the holes. And and you know, if if they join the program, it's because they're willing to they're ready to learn. Um, okay, tell tell our tell our horse sense listeners how they can get in touch with you, and and if it's something that's interested in, interesting to them, how they could join your program. Okay, so what I like to do with with all of my students, um, I like to find out where they're at and what's going on, and make sure that I can help them. You know, if they tell me that, you know, they're showing hunter jumpers and you know they're they're having an issue in the show pen with hunter jumping i'll be like that's out of my genre you know i can't help you with that but if they come to me and say you know my 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 horses is i i show hunter jumpers but my horse won't load in a trailer or is being pushy okay i can help you with that but I'm not going to be able to help you improve your, your jumping skills. So all of my students, I, I like to get a feel for where they're at and what their, what their goals are. And when I know that I can help them, then I get on a call with them. And so the easiest way to reach out to me right now um, to join my program, you can look up Big Smiles Riding Club, the ad, there should be an ad that would pop up. Um, and then message, message me um, in Messenger. It's all done on Facebook. So, okay, it's all through the, Facebook. Okay, your phone, your phone number's there, but your phone number's there on that on that Facebook page, your your business page. But a message, a direct message uh, through Messenger, is the best way to get a hold of you. Yeah, I don't even know if if my phone number is on there. Like I've never really had anybody just call me and, and do it. So we, we do it all through messenger um, or they'll leave a comment on my ad page and, you know, I get back with them through that. 
but it's Big Smiles Writing Club. And, and outstanding. Uh, yeah. And the uh, you know, folks, I've I've looked at the reviews on Facebook. Uh, uh, Mr. Burnett's people absolutely adore him. Um, he's doing really really good things uh, for the people that want to sign up for that transformation. And I really recommended. I really don't know if there's another program like mine. I mean, there's lots of programs that have have uh, a video library, but is there programs where the person who created the video library looks at all your videos, every one you send them, and picks it apart and tells you the good, the bad, the ugly? You know, I mean, there I, may be, but I don't, I don't know about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know of any, I'm not saying that I've got the, uh, you know, the patent on it and that I'm the only one, but I, I don't know of any others that's doing what I'm doing. Well, it's, you know? it's certainly unique. Uh, I know my, my, my bride brought this to my attention and said, Hey, Joe, did you, have you seen this? I'm like, well, wow, that's, that's pretty cool you know, uh, and, and you know, one thing led to another and you guys have been, been corresponding and uh, we finally got together today. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful, Mark. I appreciate you making the time. Yeah, and, uh, I really we'll enjoyed it. Soon. Okay, that'd be great. I'd love that. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you so much for joining me on Horse Sense 101, the podcast dedicated to helping you have that meaningful relationship with your horse you always wanted to have. Please tell your horsey friends about us and invite them to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101, and every Monday for our podcast available at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. I'd like to thank you, my listeners, members, and Mr. Mark Burnett. God bless you and have a wonderful week. And we know these horses stand for something that is precious and more rare than all the silver and the gold from the old mine. Let them run, let them run. But that wild ponies run. Don't you brand them, don't you break them.